Hello everybody, thank you again for joining us for yet another episode of Part of Me. It's brilliant actually because now I'm getting some really interesting responses from um, people that are listening in. So people are really engaging with this. So if there are any questions, that further follow-on questions that you would like to ask our interviewees um, that have come out of the discussion, please forward them along and then I can send them to the people. Um, so we are just going to get on with our, with our next interview and our next interviewee. So today we're joined by Ian Loins, who is CEO of Spectrum Independent Living. So hello Ian. Hi, hi Essie. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome, it's nice to be here. It's nice to be here too. So we'll just get started really. If you don't mind just starting by telling us a bit more about who you are, what your role is, um, and then we'll go from there. Okay, well, I, my, uh, Sam Ian, I'm uh, in my mid-50s now. I've been a disabled person since I was about nine. And I have, uh, amongst other things, I have uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I've been involved with Spectrum for uh, more than 20 years and I've been the chief executive there for uh, just over 20 years. Um, my background was um, computer technology uh, and uh, I ran my own business for many years as a computer consultant uh, but then I got to learn about the social model of disability um, started to work for Spectrum uh, initially in direct payments uh, and nowadays um, I see it as a vocation as well as a job mm -hmm. Brilliant, so what is Spectrum? Do you mind telling us about? Of course, Spectrum uh, Centre for Independent Living it's an organisation that's run and controlled by disabled people so that means almost all of our staff are disabled people and 100% of the directors um, on the management committee are disabled people and that's by design because the organisation is a make, about making sure that disabled people have an organisation that represents their views and interests rather than anybody else's and it's an organisation that's there to support disabled people to live independently and a campaign for a world that includes them um, in exactly the same way that non-disabled people take for granted. Okay, so a lot of people, hopefully not too many, but some people would think, well, I'm not disabled, but I know what it takes to live independently and not to take things for granted, so why can't I go and work for somewhere like Spectrum? We do employ some non-disabled people. The po my point is that our organisation is about giving control to disabled people and therefore we feel it would be incompatible with that aim if we had non-disabled people making big decisions yep. about our organisation and so where we have non-disabled people working for us uh, they, they either do not have decision-making responsibilities or if they do they are managed by, uh, directly managed by a disabled person to make sure those decisions stack up to the way the organisation would expect. Um, it's always, uh, I'm not saying that non-disabled people don't have a view and some of them are very expert on the subjects that we work on, but our organisation is about giving disabled people a voice. Mm -hmm. um, we don't claim to be expert on anything, we claim to bring our own perspective. We are by nature a peer support organisation, mm -hmm. so it's bringing our life experiences as disabled people to try and f solve many of the barriers and the problems that disabled people experience that limits their 
their life opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important what you just said about peer support as well, when we're thinking about peer support for disabled service users that might be using a service, but also disabled people that might be customers of a business or a service. It's so important that disabled people themselves have people that they feel as though they can relate to and they go through similar experiences to actually support them and say, actually, I've been through this. This is how I managed it. Perhaps if we work out what's best for you, then it works for you. It's easier for people sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I I think in, in my growing up and even today, talking to people who who have similar experiences in life to you have have tackled some of the problems you're trying to solve and found solutions as well as things not to do uh, that's very valuable mm. to me um, and I still find that uh, a, an inspiration pretty well every day in my life it, as I say it's not to say that there aren't solutions out there that so-called experts can bring to the party of course I'll listen to those but actually what I have found is that disabled people are pretty good problem solvers simply because we have to be because yeah. you know there's so many barriers even today in the world that we live and they've found very creative solutions to those that are often more practical and cheaper than the expensive uh, solutions that may be out in the marketplace mm-hmm. or, 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 ex- or proposed by, by expert practitioners. It is so true. I think I think that's a really really good point. Actually, can you give us some examples of where an expensive kind of solution is in place, but because of lived experience, somebody finds something a lot cheaper and a lot yeah, more practical? I certainly can. I, uh, I I struggle to open jars or bottles. Um, I mean, I don't have very good grip. Um, I've got a drawer full, or I had a drawer full of of gadgets that were supposedly able to help with opening jars and bottles. Um, didn't work quite expensive some of them uh, mm. what we what I found through talking to, to, a, to a friend of mine a disabled person had the same problem was a, a plumber's aid that's simply a, a strap that will grip anything pipes down to half an inch and bottles up to 12 inches cost me I think £2.50 and I bought two of them 20 odd years ago and they're still in use today so that's a good example. Yeah. You don't you don't need a ten or twenty pound gadget to open a jar. And when I had those, they only opened certain sorts of yeah. jars. So you had to have a whole series of them. They didn't work yeah. very well anyway. And this strap that I've got now is doesn't look very nice. It's a plumber's tool, but it works very well. It doesn't need to look nice, no, does it? I don't it's care not what for it aesthetic looks like. reasons, is yeah. it? And it's such a good point as well. I mean, I quite often, I mean, for example, right now it's raining all the time. And on Monday I got drenched through. I had to come home and just get in the shower because even my socks were wet and other things, but I won't talk about the other things. Um, but um, I was looking for, you know, babies. They have these things that go over the prams to keep them dry. I was looking for that as a wheelchair user and there's nothing on the market. Yet there is something that I could buy in the local shop that on this specialist website is going to cost me £200. So the things that are really needed are not available and the things that people can find everywhere, they're at a premium. Yes, very often equipment for disabled uh, people are ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Um, and very often, I, yeah, I, I've, I've been into mother care various times in my life to try and find solutions that work for, for children in push chairs yeah. that might work for, for me as a wheelchair yeah, user. That's a good idea. Very often there. they're cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very often they're cheaper. I feel a bit of a fraud going into mother care without a baby, but <laughs> nevertheless, um, I've, I found a, um, 
a sun umbrella because I, I str I, my skin is quite sensitive so I found a sun umbrella that does the job really well it's just intended for push chairs yeah. but it works well on my wheelchair as well yeah so talking about inclusive design designing with disability in mind do you think and this is a I'm putting you on the spot as my listeners will know that I quite often put my interviewees on the spot which with questions I haven't prepared them for but do you think that there needs to be more design by disabled people for disabled people? Yeah, it seems to me that the only way you're going to have design that works for people is if they're involved um, at a principal level mm -hmm. in the design and even the specification of what's, what problem it is trying to solve. Um, you know, wheelchair users will be very familiar that most wheelchairs that are produced nowadays function quite well but they're a bugger to clean in yeah. fact some of them are very very difficult to cl keep clean and I'm, not, I'm sure designers who, who aren't using them themselves won't think of things like that um, and maybe they maybe that's fair enough but but you know not only is is it to, to my mind these these equipment got to be functional and solve the problem but they have to fit in with your daily lifestyle and your preferences yeah. Uh, and the way you like to present yourself, yeah. um, and, and they shouldn't call, they shouldn't make those things unduly difficult. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think you know, as a wheelchair user, there are so many things about my wheelchair that just aren't even very accessible for me. Um, for example, when I push down on my footplate, the footplate comes out, which is not very helpful. Um, people assuming that because you're a wheelchair user, you're not necessarily a weight bearer. Well, actually, yeah. I, for example, am both. So you're having it designed with disabled people collaborating or disabled people themselves designing the product would make it a lot more valuable, I think, for people. Yeah, and I, I think those principles are being more widely accepted now um, because it's, it's it, not only does it meet the the needs of disabled people better it means people are more likely to spend their money yeah. on buying that equipment yeah. and therefore people who make it have a vested interest in in making it accessible nobody would buy a car if it didn't you know yeah. if people didn't like the aesthetics yeah. of a car as well as yeah. whether it physically got yeah. you from a to b then nobody would buy it Completely and so car agree. makers have to have to do that by design I think I'm advocating that even in some cases disabled people will buy their equipment, in some cases um, the state will buy them that equipment, but in, in either case they should be designed mm -hmm. in a way that ensures that they, they meet um, all of the different needs yeah. of the people who are using it. And We don't want equipment that looks clinical, we want equipment that just works. Yeah. Uh, and, and allows us to function as, as ordinary human beings. Absolutely. And going back to what you were saying about peer support and peer kind of mentoring and things like that, a lot of disabled people are not in the know, so they don't know that these things exist. So having other disabled people that have those experiences to steer people through kind of the vast array of products that are available, either designed for um, or by disabled people is really important. Well, it's very empowering, I think, meeting and working and talking with other disabled people who are doing things in their lives that you may well think, actually, I'd quite like to do that myself. Let's see how they've resolved those barriers and uh, how they've um, managed to make that life or that activity work for them. And that's quite empowering because mm -hmm. you can see other people doing things that you would aspire to yourself. Um, and, and help yourself to figure out how, 
how to do that and how if and how to develop the confidence and the assertiveness to do that mm. in your own life. Mm. Brilliant. So, I mean, I just want to go back to something you were talking about earlier about the barriers that disabled people face, um, and that and the the amount of barriers that we go through every day before even we get to the um, building where we're working. And that's a really good segue into the social model of disability. I feel. So for, I know we've talked about the social model of disability on this podcast quite a lot, but I think everybody has a slightly different take on it and it's really important to reiterate it as often as possible so it becomes normal knowledge for everybody. So do you mind just explaining from your point of view the social model? For me, the social model is a, a very important um, principle that has completely come to define my life. It, what it says for me is that my life and my opportunities should not be dictated by whether or not I can access the environment that's been designed largely for non-disabled people. What the social model does for me, it helps me to see the limitations that are stopping me doing what I want to do simply as barriers and that barriers can be removed or, or altered in a way that means I don't have to change myself, I don't have to go and look for a cure for my particular impairment, but what I can do is to identify and find ways of resolving the barriers that are stopping me doing what I want to do with my life. For me, what the social model doesn't say is that I don't need or desire uh, medical solutions or clinical solutions because I think we all, at some level, need that to work so if there are solutions that, that that make my impairment better or less painful then of course I will take those but I should not be defined as to what my life turns out to be on whether those solutions are available absolutely and so it, for me it's very empowering to to see life in a way that actually doesn't require me to change my impairment but requires society to look at identify and remove the barriers that are stopping me and other people having the same life opportunities that everybody else just takes for granted. I think that's really, you know, the, the way you explain it is a really empowering way that actually there's nothing that I need to change about myself. It's, it's the way that the society as a whole needs to work to adapt to the way I, need, I want to live my life. Yeah. Um, I, th I think and particularly for people with um, impairments like mine that cause a quite a lot of pain it's not to say those issues aren't important because they will be in their own way debilitating uh, and so what the social model doesn't say to me is you know it's all about society changing and nothing to do with me as a human being and you know the issues that affect my body but it's it is about saying that the barriers which society are in control of and most of the things that stop me doing what I want to do in my life are not about my impairment, they're about the barriers uh, that, that, you know, I can't climb steps, etc, etc. Uh, and those things are eminently solvable uh, and should be and, and we still live in a world where whilst we've made big steps down that road we still have a long way to go. Mm. But I think, you know, going back to what you're saying about the medical side of it, the social model and the medical model, they have to work alongside each other. They don't exist without each other. Because in the simplest forms, if we can't recognise that there's a problem, then we're not going to do anything to solve it. And also, I think, you know, what you were talking about, about being empowered to make the choices for yourself, the social model, in you know, the attitudinal part of the social model says that, you know, disabled people can think for themselves and they have the right to make their own decisions in the most basic form 
Um, so if, if we didn't recognise that part, then doctors wouldn't be consulting with disabled people about their pain management and about their medical needs. The, the difficulties, I think, with, with a medical model approach is that it, it dictates that uh, uh, the, the solutions to uh, disabled people's lives have to be medically based. So, for instance, they, if, if they can't cure, my impairment currently can't be cured, uh, then ordinarily they would um, develop techniques and contraptions to help me to walk, albeit that may be walking very badly. Uh, whereas for me, using a wheelchair is a much more practical solution. And I, I see on the news fairly frequently now that, that you know very expensive scientific adaptations to allow people who may be paralysed to walk um, using uh, exoskeletons and all the like. You know, that's an interesting scientific gadget, but I would strongly question the practical use of such mm. gadgets. And to my mind, the, the cost and the money that's being spent on developing, you know, things that suit scientists um, could be far better used to, to solve the day-to-day, -day more practical experiences of disabled people and the cheaper and more effective solutions that we've come up to solve our lives. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to inclusive design and working and collaborating and um, co-producing with disabled people, doesn't it? It's, it's, you know, if scientists sit in their room, in their science room, without any input from anyone else, then they're going to design again what they think is best. But if they talk to people with that experience, then it can be a more open solution for everyone. Well, to use my example of people um, who are paralysed, you know, if, the if, if, the, if this mindset to find a solution is to say how can we help that person to walk because they can't walk um, surely it would be easier and and i would argue better to find a solution that doesn't accepted that that person can't walk and and probably will, will never be able to walk as uh, in the same way that non-disabled people walk uh, what is the difficulty in creating environment and a, a wheelchair solution that enables that person to get around just as well as Absolutely. a walking person yeah. and that's how I get on with my life yeah. and I can walk now without being, I can get around town without being tired and exhausted and in pain um, and keep up with my non-disabled um, friends and, and yeah. acquaintances um, without having to think about whether I can walk, whether I'm going to fall over, whether I'm going to be in pain or exhausted at the end yeah. of it. Why that's isn't that, why can't that just be a better way of doing yeah. things? But it's again those assumptions, isn't it? And that comes into the social model as well. Those assumptions that there's a better way of doing things. There's assumptions that non-disabled people who can't walk, obviously they want to run and jump like non-disabled people. But for disabled people, like you've just um, explained, and I feel exactly the same as you, that actually I don't mind sitting in a wheelchair if it gets me from A to B faster and I'm not exhausted and I'm not worried about falling over all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, different solutions for different people, but mm. it troubles me sometimes when, when you do see, particularly on the news, these new developments, and you see people who've, been, who've, who've had, you know, whatever accident it is that leads them to, to being a disabled person. I'm, I always tend to think of people who are paralysed because they're the ones that seem to get the most expensive scientific, yeah. um, you know, boffin-type solutions. And, and their mindset is such that the only way that they can solve the issues in their lives is to find a way of removing their impairment. Mm. My impairment is part of who I am. I'm proud of being a disabled person. 
uh, and and I and I think should there be a cure for my impairment, then I would strongly question whether that's something I would want to take simply because it's who I am now, just as in the same way that, you know, I've got the colour of eyes I've got and, the, you know, the, being a man rather than a woman, that's part of who I am. Why would yeah. we want to change that? Uh -huh. yeah. You know, and, and, and surely if we can help people to accept who they are as human beings, be them disabled or not, rather than always striving to be somebody else, then we'd have a much more balanced and, and um, effective society. So do you think that acceptance, because I completely agree with what you're saying, do you think that acceptance comes from an innate thing or does it come from an external world, maybe even the media um, and people's assumptions about what disabled people should be and what a, a human, a person should be and what they should look like and how they should act? I think I think it's a mixture of internal and external influence. I think the culture and the world we live in sees disability and disabled people in a generally very negative light. Uh, so being disabled is a bad thing, using a wheelchair is an awful thing. Uh, uh, and I think if you can help people to be proud of who they are, uh, rather than aspiring to be somebody else. You know, we see that in the media all the time, people aspiring to be like the slim, beautiful model, walking down the catwalk, catwalk rather than just accepting them for who they are and being proud of who they are. That's the key word for me, being proud of your own identity and the way you, um, and the value you have as a human being to society, rather than constantly wanting to change yourself into somebody else and which may well be unachievable and not even in the best interest of you or the rest of the world and a lot of society's ills I feel are caused by that constant uh, media barrage about the perfect individual who we all know just doesn't exist um, you know I think we should be helping people to feel comfortable with who they are to look at how they can resolve the issues in their lives to allow them to achieve what they want to achieve and I don't just mean disabled people and now I mean ev everybody we live in a world that, that's very fixated on um, a perfect image and, and I think that's deeply damaging to every single human being on this planet who are in no way perfect you know that's deeply damaging and, and I think it's insulting our intelligence mm -hmm. as well. Agreed so I mean you you're a CEO of your um, of your business is it a business? It's a, it's a community CRT. interest company, yeah. so it's a not-for-profit business. We're not a charity. We don't believe disabled people should live off the charity of others. They should have rights, uh, and therefore we refuse to be a charity for that reason. Good answer. So you're, a, you're the CEO of your community interest company, um, and obviously as a CEO, I'm imagining that you'll be a line manager as well. Yeah. So part of me is a podcast that talks to businesses and people within businesses about how to make that business more inclusive for disabled people. So talking about what you just talked about, about um, developing a society and developing a culture where we can be proud of who we are as disabled people, what are the takeaways that you would give to managers who are managing or are looking to manage more people that might actually be disabled? I think the first thing to say is, is any business 
does well if if its customer base represents everybody in society so everybody feels yeah that's a company i would quite like to do business with you're far more likely to do that achieve that aim if your business in employs people who who represent that broad cross-section of the community we live in including disabled people disabled people depending on which statistic you read of somewhere between 12 and 20 percent of the uk population yeah. <laughs> um 15 is a kind of nice round number just, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. quite a few million people out there and about 10 percent of those people are themselves wheelchair users so the common image of a disabled person is a wheelchair user we represent quite a small percentage mm. but disabled people as a collective is um, many millions of people in the uk economy and we all have money to spend i won't bore you with the statistics about how much that is um but if if we are as businesses to develop a successful business and for most people that will be generating profit then we do that better by having people who, who represent the customer base we do that better by having problem solvers and we do better by having people with different ideas about how to solve problems. We know, I've explored previously, even in this interview, that disabled people are good problem solvers because they have to be, just to get out of the house in the morning, mm -hmm. they have to be pretty good at solving problems. Um, any business uh, worth their salt should be seeing disabled people alongside every other person as an asset and if they have, uh, and, and looking at the difficulties of employing disabled person um, in the in the light of barriers that can be removed. So if it is um, the built environment, you know, steps or desks not being the right height, then they can normally be resolved very easily and very cheaply. Uh, it's quite an old review now, but HSBC Bank did a, a review of their disabled employees and the facilities they needed to make their office environment accessible. And for most of those, albeit, 15 years ago those adaptations cost less than 50 pounds mm. if we look at how much we pay those staff yeah. it's trivial uh, and 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 very often businesses should just work with talk with and be led by the, per the disabled person that they're seeking to employ to find those solutions to have an attitude where where their access needs will be met as a given that person will be far more productive they'll be far more loyal to that company and, they'll, and the company will prosper because of that. Brilliant, excellent, thank you very much. Um, we're coming to the end of the interview. I just wanted to ask you a little bit, you keep referring to disabled people as disabled people, not person with a disability. So for you, is that a conscious decision and why do you make that decision? Okay, uh, first thing to say is I'm not overly precious about okay. it. Um, I think political correctness is, is a misused term, misunderstood term for me it is about having using words that people find comfortable particularly if you're using them to describe other people and it seems to me just good manners to use words don't use words that you know they're not comfortable with for me disabled person probably represents who I am I'm a person I have impairments but what disables me is a society that fails to understand and meet my needs um, my, my my impairment is part of who I am, mm -hmm. but my disability is caused by society and therefore society owns that disability, not me. If I'm a person with anything, it's a person with impairments. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, is there anything else you would like to share? Um, no, I don't think there is okay. actually. 
Well, thank you so much, Ian. It's been so informative and it's brought something new again to the podcast. You're very welcome. Um, which is really beneficial. Thank you. You're very welcome.